You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I love it when we can talk, you know, football and music all together, Sarah. So let's do that now. John King joining us now. John is somebody that I had the opportunity to hang out with a few weeks ago on the wrap-up show, one of the late-night college football shows, because he's a Georgia Dogs fan. So we got to talking about, you know, Georgia football. It was before the SEC championship game. So, John, how are you <laughs> feeling? Uh, it didn't go your way, obviously, for the SEC championship game. Are you, you doing okay, buddy? Man, you know, it was a tough weekend, but uh, I, I am an optimist, and I think that uh, my whole perspective is I'd rather lose now than later. And uh, and I heard Kirby talking about in a in a post game interview that uh, there's nothing, there's no lesson like losing. You know, losing is the ultimate lesson, and um, we just got humbled, man. Just they were just ready to play, and we didn't look like us, and. Um, I think that they learned a lot from that game. I know I did just watching it. And I think that they'll be ready uh, if the second chance presents itself. I know we've got to go through Michigan first, and they got to go through Cincinnati. Uh, so it's going to be interesting, man. But, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic about it. I, I still think we can win a championship this year. You could already have a job doing what we do because that's what we always ask that question. Is it better for an undefeated team to lose once before the end? Because that way they don't come in without having, you know, face that adversity. So, yeah, you got it. You got the right spin on it already. They needed to take the L early so they could show up in the playoffs and get back on track. Uh, you know, for such a big football fan, I bet it was pretty cool to have your your song Tonight Tonight um, on Thursday Night Football. How did that come about? That, that, was, that was your first single, right? How do you get that hooked up in the football? world it was honestly just an absolute miracle I have I still don't really know how it happened <laughs> I got a I got a call from my dad we were about to hit the stage in Atlanta and uh Thursday night we were about to hit the stage and my dad calls me and says your song just played on the Packers Falcons game um and I thought he was just kidding I mean my dad he's kind of a jokester I was like you're kidding and sure enough he sent me a video and I was like I have no idea how it happened uh, but it did, and of course, you know, my publisher and everything. I checked my email, and I had like a hundred emails, like trying people trying to get in touch with me about this sync license for this song. But it ended up really being cool. I mean, growing up a lifelong football fan, uh, it, it's a dream come true uh, to have one of your songs, you know, on any kind of football show. For me, it was insane, man. I have Thursday night football, so and it brought a whole new world of of people into the song and to the music that would have never been there otherwise. I mean, John, let's stir the pot a little bit. Falcons, because you're from Georgia, for anybody that doesn't know. So Falcons or Titans, where, where are we going on this one? Man, although it's always heartbreaking, Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> it's I painful, but it's like, you know, it's like that train wreck you can't avoid. You just got to watch. Every Sunday, my dad always jokes, he's a huge Falcons fan. And um, we still, you know, we always joke about Super Bowl, you know. 28 to three halftime, everybody's celebrating, everybody's mm -hmm. ready. And uh, if you can come back from a, a loss like that, uh, you're pretty much good in all sports going forward. So that's one thing I think Atlanta fans have going for us is we're pretty numb to anything from here going forward. <laughs> wow, you've got the right spin on everything. It's a, a yeah, I'm a Cubs fan, so it's like, listen, we we suffered for over a century. Just like try to complain about something and see if you could top us. Like we're tougher than you are. We really are. <laughs> uh, we're talking to musician John King. Tell us about the the new song "Till It Changes Your Mind" and the music video coming out. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I, I think it's probably uh, my favorite song I've ever written. I know that's uh, a pretty crazy statement. I, I don't even know how many songs I've written, thousands. But this one uh, is really personal, man. I mean, I just remember the day we wrote it so well. And I love that um, it, it's really, you know, something that I've been through in my life. 
and something I feel like I've been surrounded by. Just people get in these situations where, you know, you put something above the people you love. And uh, I, this whole song is about change. It's about, like, overcoming that and overcoming those things. For me, like, personally, I'm a workaholic. That's kind of like my addiction. I, I just love it because I love what I do, like you guys. Um, you know, at times in the past, it's gotten in the way of the people I love the most. So that song's about, you know, something that's really personal to me, and I, and I hope that it touches people uh, as much as it has me. John, how different is it now? I mean, you've, you've come through COVID at this point. Everybody's starting to get back onto the road. Shows are happening again. Like, how's your perspective changed making music today versus your perspective making music pre-COVID? Man, I'm just grateful. I think it's just given me a sense of gratitude uh, to be able to do this. You don't realize how, you know, it's the old saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And for me uh, to have it all kind of stripped out from under us the past, you know, year and a half, two years, to be able to get back out there and see screaming fans and uh, and have people sing along, you know, to your songs, is it's even more special now than it was. It was before, but now it's just a, a whole new sense of uh, just, wow, like I can't believe I get to do this. It's uh, it's always fun to talk to musicians about the people who inspired them. So I will ask you that, like, who were some of your most important musical influences, but also who would you want to go on tour with so that you not only got to listen to their live music every night, but maybe hang out with them and get to know them? Well, I'm kind of all over the place. My dad was a, was a rock and roll fan, so I grew up with anything from Garth Brooks and George Strait to ACDC and ZZ Top. It was like a pretty uh, awesome... Uh, my parents just were like amazing role models and, and music influencers and just lovers of music, you know, and that's, that's how I grew up. That's how it started off. So it's really all over the board, but I say if I had to pick somebody, um, I mean, Garth has really inspired me just watching him as an entertainer. Uh, that's somebody I really look up to and just the way he treats his fans. Um, he, he just, he takes that extra, you know, several hours sometimes after a show to stand in line and shake every hand to me, like, if I'm a fan, that's the kind of person I want to go out and see their concert. So that's somebody I, I aspire to be like. John, let's be honest here for a second. Georgia has a shot at the national championship. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, would you rather face <laughs> Cincinnati or Alabama? Number two, this is important. Are you going to use your music success to try and get tickets to the national championship? <laughs> well, uh, to answer the second one first, um, yes, I will use any and every, uh, anything I can to get to the national championship, especially if it's Bama, because I want Bama. I think all Georgia fans do. It's become personal at this point. Like, we, we need that win. Uh, we thought we broke the curse with the Braves World Series victory and, and that it was all smooth sailing, but it's, yeah, it's got to happen. It's got to happen soon. <laughs> Well, you let me know if you figure out how to use your musical success to get tickets to literally anything, because Fitz hasn't, and he tells us he used to be in the band Perry, and he used to be nominated for Grammys and things like that, but thus far, that hasn't gotten him shit when it you comes know what? to tickets. It, 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 hey, 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 it got me into the press box in a few places, <laughs> mm-hmm. and a couple of jerseys. Did you, did you get I can to get Georgia? myself into the press box. That's that's where we belong now. That's our jobs now, Fitz. <laughs> okay, well, that that's probably fair. I, yeah. You know, one step at a time, you know, Sarah, I'm... I, I'm, I'm 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 trying. I'm, this is the difference between being a front man like John and being a fiddle player like me. John, has Georgia like hooked you up with free swag yet, John? Do we do we have like boxes of Georgia gear? Well, I, I went to Georgia. I'm a Georgia grad, so I I have been treated really well there, and I still have really good connections. But you know, I went to music business school there and, and had a marketing degree, so um, I've kind of it's a little bit unconventional. Not so much through the sports and you know the athletics department, but 
through my friends and, you know, I, you know, family back there in Athens. So, yeah, we, um, it, we haven't been to a game in forever, though, man. We just, you know how it is, Fitz, when you get on the road. I mean, weekends, you're, you're pretty much gone uh, when the dogs are playing. So, I do, man. I got to get out. I got to get out to a game. It's been like two years, so I, I'm well overdue. <laughs> I keep thinking about this, though. Like, Sarah, there are so many Georgia football fans in country mm-hmm. music. If they go to the Natty, like, are we going to do like a massive party somewhere where like well, we all of put the together country a artists super band, come together first of all, and do that like would a, be amazing? Yeah, yeah like just, a super band, like uh, live band karaoke thing. We we ooh, do yeah. this. I, I'm in. Man, we need a super band. Yeah, I, I, Georgia. I mean, it's unreal. I know we talked about this last time, Fitz. We were on the show, but. It, there's like a Georgia mafia up here in Nashville and, and so many people, you know, from back in Georgia. So it really is cool, man. It's like you're part of a club up here. So anytime you guys are in Nashville, we'll catch a game. Uh, we try to we try to hook up with some friends and watch games here in Nashville, and, and that's almost as fun as being at the game itself. John, we're talking to John King, a musician. He's got a new song and video, Till It Changes Your Mind, coming out. Uh, Fitz just mentioned uh, you're a front man, so I'm thinking about this super band. And obviously Fitz would be allowed to play, but, you know, we have a saying in this business called a face for radio. Is there a thing in, in music like a face for fiddle? And then obviously you got your front man, and then you got your fits like in the third to back row. Hey, hey, hey! I I am a very pretty fiddle. Like most fiddle players, far more awkward than I am. Believe it or not, sir. Like I am in the fiddle community. I would be considered a cool kid. Thank you very much. All He's right. a cool kid, man. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, anybody in Nashville would would be very happy to have fits. And, and we throw him up front for a lot of solos, and, and maybe even give him all, as a, a riser or something, some fireworks okay. shooting out from that. behind him. Uh, we <laughs> got to make this happen now. If we got uh-huh. we got fits on a riser with fireworks behind him, we got to make this happen. You know what? True story. There was a time when the band actually asked me if there was a way to attach something to the end of my fiddle that would f- throw out flames for one of the solos. And I was oh like, Oh my gosh! Please no. tell me you said yes. Please tell no. me. No. <laughs> No, it's too close. Those things cost a lot of money. And Made of wood, right? Hands, I don't know John. if that's smart. You don't want to put a bunch of flames near your wood. Oh my god! Yeah, and... that's a lacquered. That's a lacquered piece of wood. Maybe yeah. not a good idea. Oh my god, John! We appreciate you hanging out with us, man. Everybody, check out the new sing- singles coming out. Uh, the, what December thirteenth? So next week, this week, whatever we get next yeah. week. Till yeah. it changes your mind is the new song coming out. You can check out the video and uh, the song wherever you get your videos and your music. Uh, John, as always, man, I appreciate hanging out with you, my friend. Hopefully, we'll be hanging out in India in person. Let's go, man. We we can make it happen. Go, dogs. We got revenge. It's coming. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, guys, man. Y'all are a blast. I really appreciate you having me. <laughs> sure thing. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I know at times it feels hard to give the NBA a ton of attention, especially during the thick of the NFL season. But tonight we get the rarity. A matchup that wants to give us all the drama we can handle on the court, all the drama we can handle off the court, and possible historic implications. That's all tonight. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And Sarah, we get a matchup that in brand had a lot of power to us a couple of months ago, but the season may not have been playing out so far in the way that both teams hope. The Trailblazers taking on the Warriors tonight. Uh, that's obviously that's at 10 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN and the Warriors are having an absolutely incredible season uh, and we'll start there because Steph has the opportunity now it would take a big night tonight but Steph is now within spitting distance of becoming the all-time NBA three-point leader uh, and, and when you start talking about that moment on top of everything else that Steph has accomplished 
it's a little bit of a reminder that we've almost taken for granted the skinny little kid that's fun to watch. And sometimes we forget, as a general NBA watching community, the greatness we're seeing. Yeah, there's a great story by very... Uh... Cynical is not the right word, but sardonic maybe. One of my one of my uh, fave Twitter follows too that talks about how you know. Congrats on the you know the pageantry of it all if he does do it but we don't actually need to make a big thing of it because this was the most inevitable thing that maybe we've ever seen right so ray ratto's story on defector.com is is what i'm talking about um he's basically saying that you know accounting statistic like this one uh currently ray allen holding the record at 2973 um will mean nothing to us in terms of deciphering who the greatest long distance shooter ever has been and it will be right i mean the argument is over so when he breaks the record it will be great it will be cool it will be official but it won't mean anything to us in terms of how we see Steph so that's why it would be significantly cooler if he did it tonight by breaking another record at the same time of course I'm talking about if he hit all 16 tonight and just finished it off instead of doing it over the course of several games then we could say not only did you pass Ray Allen which we knew you were going to do but you did something maybe we weren't sure if you could do which is hit 16 in one game now couple things uh it helps that the Blazers defense is dead last in team defense uh, that's that's going to be helpful um it also helps that C.J. McCollum is out with a collapsed lung and Dame Lillard is out, um, and so they won't even have their stars. Unfortunately, that could mean that Steph and the Warriors are up so much he gets pulled early. Will Steve Kerr do that if he's on fire and he looks like he's en route to 16? Probably not, because Steve and Steph's teammates have publicly talked about him potentially doing it in one night tonight, so they've kind of given a check mark to we're going to let him go for it. But if they're way up, I don't know that you could keep them in there just hauling threes. I don't know. I kind of have this imagery of like the little kid that is playing, you know, tiny kid basketball and gets the ball right under their own hoop and just starts heaving up. Like right. I want Steph shooting from everywhere, shooting from his own free throw line. And, you know, you're right. And, and Ray Rattle makes a great point that this was inevitable, but it still hit me. I was reading an article earlier today on Steph on NBCSports.com. And they point out three NBA championships, two MVP awards, the only unanimous winner in history, records for most threes in a season, most in playoff history, most in NBA finals history, most made in a single month, and most made in games with at least 10 Mm -hmm. triples. Highest scoring average of any player to finish the season with 50, 40, and 90% uh, shooting percentages. I say all of that because it just hit me. I read that like three times. I kept thinking, my God, for all of the conversation we've become obsessed with about other players in the NBA – We always just look at Steph and we're like, yeah, Steph's it. But I don't know that we necessarily always look at it with that full context and say, holy, you know what, Steph's it. That's one of the powerful things that comes, even if this is an inevitable record. Stacking another record on at least gives us the time to look back at some of the other records that maybe we take for granted. For sure. It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz, and we've got that. And on the other side of the court, while we're all watching Steph's heroics and seeing if we can get him to 16 by the sheer will of our want for it, we're also going to be paying attention to the other side of the court, where, as I mentioned, CJ McCollum is out an indefinite amount of time with that collapsed lung. Dame Lillard is out with the ab issue. Uh, Add in Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, you know, you got a whole bunch of dudes out. But more importantly, there are so many rumors swirling about Dame saying he might want to play with Ben Simmons about the, the the front page of ESPN right now is should the should the Blazers cut bait with Dame obviously one of the greatest players ever but do they need to get rid of him and get enough of a haul back to rebuild and some of the options there 
you know, something like taking on most of Boston's future and, and being willing to say maybe not right now, but in the next couple years will be great, um, are tempting. But Fitz, it's so hard to get back what you gave away when you have a player like that, not just in terms of talent, but draw ticket sales, loyalty to a franchise. I mean, this is a this is a place that's been mired in in bad press with with the hiring of Chauncey Billups and the questions around his past with now the the firing of Neil Olshey and looking for a new front office. You lose Dame, you lose CJ and you just have a bunch of youngsters. That is a whole new era and I don't know how many are ready for that. Yeah, the the phrase Mike Golick Jr. uses all the time in college football is what's the price of proximity? And I I I will take that to the NBA like proximity towards a championship in college football to me it's proximity towards relevance in the NBA. And uh, the the problem is if you get rid of Dame and CJ, you're taking the chance that you're going to be able to replace them with players that will eventually make you more relevant. And I think the, the brand recognition that you mentioned earlier is one of the most significant parts of having these guys because, yes, if Dame goes anywhere, he becomes a superstar wherever he goes and he immediately sells tickets. That taken away from the Trailblazers feels like it's every bit, if not more impactful than whatever happens on the court. Because, sure, they can they can rebuild and, and try and win championships with the new roster. But it takes a long time to get guys that have bought into the community and the community buys in mm-hmm. to the same level. Yeah, uh, but worth noting, too, if you wait too long on a guy like Dame, first of all, he has a massive contract ex- extension coming this offseason. So it's give him all of this money and believe that you can win with him or at least, like, you said take advantage of the proximity or you trade him and say listen we tried we tried for 10 years and we couldn't make it work so now we got to try something else because if you run if you wait too long and it's after this next deal and then you try to go out and get a big haul for him when you realize the time is up then you can't because then it's too late um and that's a little bit it's not the same but it's a little bit what we're seeing with the lakers where it's can you really put a bunch of people who are past their prime and used to be what you wanted together and then expect? I mean, a lot of us had these questions about the Lakers when the season started. I made an over-under bet on the DNP olds that we were going to see. <laughs> but with all that considered, we certainly couldn't have predicted LeBron's injuries taking him out. And, and Anthony Davis being fine, but not the sure number one that will take over the Lakers when LeBron is gone. Um, he's been good. But 15th best score and, and, and good defender is not enough for what we could have uh, desired out of Anthony Davis. And we don't have time to play it, but Charles Barkley sort of went off and blamed him. I don't solely blame AD. He's been fine. I blame the roster construction. And he would also be served by a better roster construction and would be able to play to his potential. But things are looking real sticky for the Lakers. If they fire you know, the coach who usually takes the blame for this, when in fact it's the roster construction and the superstar who wanted this roster construction, they haven't fixed anything. And to that point, I mean, what we said when they acquired AD was that the the Lakers had done a beautiful job of making sure they had a succession plan. As LeBron started to decline, AD would take over and become the guy. What do you do if the roster's not good enough to handle the decline and the superstar hasn't been superstar enough to step up and be the next LeBron-type player? That's what the Lakers were banking on. And you're absolutely right that even with the big win over the Celtics, still, when Charles Barkley's calling them out, that's the sort of moment that, that reminds everybody that everything's not settled for the Lakers. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet is hurt in a car accident, Progressive pays up to $1,000 in vet expenses with free Pet coverage, visit Progressive.com. Coming up, everybody's telling you there's going to be one matchup in the Super Bowl. We're going to tell you what that is, but also tell you why there might be more creative ones. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
<laughs> Spain and Fitz uh, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, uh, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline Fun Time in Cleveland again. Uh, Good just, Lord. I'm so proud of whoever put that in the middle of a Damian Lillard trade possibilities article on ESPN. It's just the separator to get you from one trade to the Cleveland option, and it just says fun times in Cleveland again. And I just, I'm so proud. Whoever you are out there, if you're listening, I'm so proud of you. Oh, it's a, it's a delight. By the way, you, yep, just bring it back. You can just Cleveland. keep bringing the back. Cleveland Town, everybody. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for Cleveland. I, I do. On so Come many look levels. look at both of our buildings. One team that <laughs> Cleveland hopes will have a better end to the season would be the Browns. You know, if you're a Browns fan, you're Great still transition. looking at – Thank you. You're looking at the, the segues, segues. You're looking at the schedule, <laughs> trying to find a way that your team can get to the Super Bowl. And it's funny because – Sarah, the odds makers have spoken, and according to multiple books out in Vegas right now, the most, the best odds on a Super Bowl matchup is actually Brady versus Bill. We're getting mm. the Patriots versus the Buccaneers in what, for me, would be the most cringeworthy, worthy, vomit-worthy Super Bowl <laughs> of all time. Like I would, I, I just, I would rather watch anything, anything than that mm-hmm. Super Bowl matchup. There is not a Super Bowl matchup I would like to see less than Brady versus Bill, and. I would need to probably take the week off leading up to it because the amount of wild conjecture, like all we'll do every night on Spain and Fitz is good take, hot take, and I'll say hot take to every (laughs) single one of the answers. That's what will happen, which is why we're going to put it out where you guys can be a part of this. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, we already did that. Last year, when everyone decided that a reasonable conversation to have was who was more important, Bill versus Brady, and yada yada, I was like, are they arm wrestling, or are we talking about coaching and playing quarterback for a football team? Because the idea that somehow last year was going to tell us, for for once and for all, who was more important was so idiotic. And of course, now that the Pats are doing so well, people are like, well, it was silly last year when we said that Brady, duh, duh, but he still (laughs) did it for like a whole year. I, I would say if you're listening to anybody that's yelling in their mic or or at the TV telling you uh, about this Bill versus Brady thing that doesn't own up to their ignorant takes from last year, just stop listening to them. Uh, but we're it, gonna it, we're gonna do something kind of fun here. Unless uh, they're on and, our air fits, and then keep listening all day, every day to every single show. Just listen to this main and Fitz podcast oh, all day. Oh, wow. it's, it's okay, a better, wow. it's better, it's better use of your time. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna put it up on the poll. Put it on the poll. Uh, of Super Bowl matchups that you would rather see. You guys can chime in. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back. So are the fans. Return to glory with fans filled by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Fans deserve something better than Bucks Pats. So what Super Bowl uh, <laughs> matchup? Uh, we're taking our two teams out of it because neither of them will be in the Super Bowl. Right. But it, taking my fandom out of it and just looking at it and saying, no fandom allowed. What Super Bowl would you love to see? I'd be all in instead. Give me Packers versus Chiefs. Give me like Rodgers versus Mahomes, like explosive offense. Like we know there's going to be wild quarterback plays. It'll Mm. be chaotic. There might be some turnovers, but that's going to make for awesome like end of the game football. Like I'm all in for that matchup. I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. I do think that would be an incredible matchup and the quarterback play would be driving that decision. Mine is also driven by that. It would be interesting to see Ravens Cardinals. 
Because we talk about how both Kyler and Lamar are like joystick QBs, look like they're playing Friday night high school, everybody else is getting, you know, circles run around them. So those two against each other, that would be compelling. Uh, I would love that matchup. I'd love everything about that one. What about the Rams? Do we have any interest in the Rams in the Super Bowl? I mean, a lot of stars on that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, as someone who, I I guess I wouldn't say I ever needed to hate or feel like a rivalry with the Lions because they're so bad that it's just been been just consistent empathy for years. Uh, So Matt Stafford's never really been someone I was against. I always felt kind of bad for him that he was playing well and his team would inevitably lose. So I, I think I'd like to see Matt Stafford get a chance at the biggest stage. Um, who would we want to see the Rams against, though? Where's the juicy storylines? It sure ain't going to be the Lions. Yeah, no. I mean, so maybe we take the Rams against, I don't know, the Rams against the Titans would be kind of an interesting. Mm, that'd, be, okay. that'd be kind of fun. Rams-Colts? Mm. No? You know no, the Colts that? don't do much for me at all. Wait, wait. What about Rams-Bills? Rams-Bills. Right. Yes. Rams-Bills? Yes. Cannons for arms? Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I like all of it. I mean... I don't mind the thought of getting two teams in the Super Bowl, though, that have never won one. Like, just mm. give us, like, a guaranteed first-timer in it. Uh, you know, or even, oh, Rams. Wait, wait, wait. What about Rams Chargers? Give us an all-L.A. Bowl. Ooh, wow. Um, that's going to displease a whole lot of America. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and all seven Chargers fans will be able to get in, That's very true. They will be super oh, into it. Throwing shade. Uh, what about, like, a like a Cowboys Chargers I mean, do the Cowboys still, like, young I don't QBs? Know. I don't know. The Cowboys don't do much for me other than Dak, um, and I don't really want to see Jerry enjoy anything, but there's something about the sort of young, you know, Dak is still a young fella, um, and obviously Herbert as well. So I mean, I'd be all in on seeing Dak in the, the like, if I, again, we're taking all of our fandom and just throwing it away grossly. Um, what about the Bengals? Like, the Bengals right now are the sixth, wow. and they've been maddeningly inconsistent, but... You, you put the Bengals into the Super Bowl? Like, give me Bengals-Cowboys? Oh, that sounds just awful, actually. No, actually, that sounds terrible. Let's not do that. <laughs> um, I'm here for the Bengals. I mean, not it's not going to happen, but I'm here for the excitement and, and a, a long-hurting fan base getting to see that. I mean, the Browns, no one has any faith in, but they're not mathematically eliminated, right? So let's uh, let's think of what would be the weirdest but still possible matchup right Okay, now. I won't say this is weird, but I will say in the level of, like, sexy brands, I'm sorry, but Cardinals-Titans is not going to get a lot of people pumped up. Like, not no. a lot of people are sitting back there saying, I would love that Arizona-Tennessee matchup. Sorry, Tennessee, you know, I love you, but, like, I don't no, think I'm a lot of people... I'm more are... like, huh? Yeah. Like, the <laughs> Browns? Who oh, is the wow. Who is the weirdest that is currently still, in, like, a viable, like, maybe Washington... Oh, man. Which NFC team is not mathematically like the Vikings? The Vikings? The or, Browns or Eagles. And the Even Vikings. give me Browns, Eagles? Like, <laughs> yeah. But the Eagles at least won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah, but see, if you give me Browns, Eagles, but somehow Gardner Minshew was the starter Ooh. all the way through. Now we have the backup quarterback Minshew drama versus again. Baker, too. The, the just swag. I mean, that's and, sexy. Yeah, that is. That, there is something quite sexy about that. By the way, it should be noted the Raiders uh, are ahead of the Browns in the pecking order. So, you know, there's still Right, right. I mean, I didn't say likely. I said not yet mathematically eliminated. And I don't believe your, your Raiders <sighs> are. Mathematically. No, they're still. Technically, so I believe the Bears. Did we officially get bumped out of in the hunt with the loss last week? Well, you're uh, four and eight. The last and... graphic I saw, they still technically were in the hunt, which was deeply embarrassing for everyone involved in this whole sport. 
Yeah, you're only two games back of the 49ers. That's uh, the 49ers would be the seventh seed. Like, yeah, that'd be another gross one. Like, give me the 49ers getting all the – like, this would be the complication. Like, the 49ers and Jimmy G goes on a run, Ooh. and then Jimmy G wins a Super Bowl with the 49ers oh. over, let's say, the Colts. 49ers-Colts just feels – Ew, uh, I hate yeah. it. Again, yeah. we need either teams that have not been there lately, so there's a lot of enthusiasm from their fan base. What about the Falcons? Oh, God. Falcons are currently sitting at 5-7. and seven. Do, are, Is it possible? I'm not looking at the... Um... Yes, they're only a game back. Okay, like The perfect. Falcons at 5-7 and seven are a game out. Oh, okay. Let's do... Then let's do Falcons-Browns. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, but see, uh, what, what about, about the Dolphins? Are they officially out? Fal- Falcons, Dolphins. Yeah, I was gonna say, or Falcons, Broncos. You give Ooh, us like Teddy no, Bridgewater. The Broncos again. They just won a couple years ago. Fitz, you're yeah. not weird enough. You're not playing this game weird enough. Yeah, but see, if Baker in a Super Bowl creates a oh, it does create a whole conversation though. Like the Browns in a bad Baker goes to the Super Bowl, they win yeah. it. They gotta pay him. Yeah, they gotta pay him big money to do mm. that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, we're gonna it's put a up. A, we're gonna yeah. put it out on Twitter. You guys can chime in and, and figure out. Uh, what you want to see in the Super Bowl, what would be an interesting, but keep your fandom out of it. That's the one important thing. Don't give me your favorite team in this because that's not a fun exercise. And I'm telling you, even as a Raiders fan, I'd rather see a team from the AFC West in the Super Bowl than watch the Bills or watch Brady versus uh, Belichick. I just can't. I can't do it. All right. All this talk about the NBA, we're going to go back to it. The question of the day, is it time for the Blazers to move on from Damian Lillard? We'll talk to an expert about what the reality is, what the situation could look like, and we'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Lots of NBA news to get to on this day, the anniversary of John Lennon's death. Been coming up on a lot of shows today. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're going to head out to the Goodyear hotline where basketballnews.com national NBA writer Evan Sidery joins us. You can follow him at eSidery on Twitter. Definitely not at Evan Sidery. I don't know who that is, but that person with 11 followers. He's uh, going to get some might, follows after you tweeted I think he's I mean, on the show tonight. It's going to blow up. That's right. Uh, Evan, thanks for the time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Let's talk about Blazers-Warriors tonight. All eyes, of course, will be on Steph trying to go for the three-point record, and I, I would have no doubt he could pull it off. On the other side of the court, we will not have Dame or CJ because of injury. How much do you think, particularly CJ's injury, which is sort of an indefinite timeline on that collapsed lung, might affect the Blazers' ability to make some moves or trades in, in the near future? Yeah, it's so interesting because you would have thought this whole time C.J. McCollum would be their main trade piece they move out to get a star-like player like Ben Simmons in return, for example. But now with C.J. probably being out until a trade deadline, they probably have to maneuver a little bit and get a little creative here with Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, those contracts make about $25 million. So maybe you can cobble together those contracts, maybe some young players like Anthony Simons as well to go and get a star-like player. But if not, maybe you can go out and get a guy like a Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, from Indiana, and that could be the ideal scenario there as the Pacers try to blow up a little bit. But it's really interesting. I mean, you have to imagine now that Portland's not not going to be good for a little bit with Lillard being out and also McCollum now. So they're in such a tough spot. I mean, you have to wonder what comes next for them because they feel like they could be the next team up now to potentially blow it up here soon. Well, that's I mean, what I'm curious about really quickly just to follow up then. You're of the opinion they're still going to try to make those moves that we've all been talking about and not decide to not pay Dame, make that big move where they get a bunch of pieces for him and start fresh. 
I think so. I mean, you have to think, obviously, Damian Lillard wants a new contract. He wants to be one of the highest paid players reportedly. But you have to imagine, if you're Damian Lillard, I know you want the big bag of money, but at some point, Damian Lillard is a competitor. He wants to win big. And I think Dame has to come to the realization that it might not just be in Portland. I mean, this Western Conference is reloaded now. The Phoenix Suns, for example, they were had 19 wins three years ago. Now are the best team in the West alongside Golden State. Portland is just stuck in the middle right now. And you have to think, if you're in Damian Lillard's position, yes, a big, new, hefty contract would be a really good thing to have. But you have to wonder for Damian Lillard's own legacy if he eventually asks out because championships matter in this league. That's, always, that's what it's all about. So stick there for a second, then. If championships matter, in your mind, what teams could go out and acquire Dame but do it in a way that still leaves them the assets they would need to actually be a championship contender? I think, honestly, the best team for Damian Lillard um, would probably either be Philadelphia or it would be Boston. Those are the teams, two teams that stand out to me because Philadelphia, you have the Ben Simmons. You can put together Tyrese Maxey in that trade as well. Maybe Matisse Thibel and a lot of picks. Maybe that can get them to sweeten the deal a little bit for Portland. Boston, maybe you can swap out Jalen Brown. That might be the best asset they could get. Or even New Orleans. Thinking about New Orleans, too. Obviously, the, t- the clock is ticking for David Griffin as GM. You want to make sure Zion Williamson doesn't leave in a couple of years. Maybe you offer up Brandon Ingram and a lot of picks to them. They have the picks from the Lakers and the Bucks coming up here in the next couple of years. So those three teams stand out to me. I think, honestly, the best one to win now would be Philadelphia. Embiid and Dame would be a lot of fun. Same with Boston with Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard. But those three teams stand out to me. You just have to wonder at some point. Damian Lillard definitely wants to get paid. But at some point for his own legacy, I think he has to make the decision to let go. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Evan Sidery of basketballnews.com. Let's talk about the Lakers. Obviously, they've struggled, and a lot of that can be uh, chalked up to injury, especially LeBron. But somebody's got to have the finger pointed at them. And right now, um, for Charles Barkley, it's it's Anthony Davis for not playing up to that number one status many expected of him. Uh, for others, it's Frank Vogel, who people are saying is on the hot seat. Others say LeBron for wanting this weird, odd, and old roster. Uh, to what do you attribute the Lakers' bad start? I think it's a, a lot of things, honestly. You could throw together Anthony Davis. He's definitely not playing at a true top five, top ten NBA superstar level right now. But I think a lot of it, I mean, I was on board the Russell Westbrook trade in the offseason. I wrote a whole story about basketballnews.com saying that how they spaced the whole court. They got a lot of shooters around Russell Westbrook. I think it would have made sense. But I just don't know, looking back on it now, if Westbrook was the right player. I think, honestly, the, the Lakers would be better off. They went and did the Buddy Heel trade instead. I mean, just having the four spaced out more for LeBron. LeBron needs the ball in his hands a lot more often. Russell Westbrook takes it away from a little bit. And that's a big contract in the next two years. They're not going to be able to move off of. You have, you're pretty much forced in the position from L.A. now where you have to have Russell Westbrook work in Los Angeles or it's just going to be a big bust for them when they try to go out and go all in for a title with LeBron James in the next couple of years. But I, I would say definitely Anthony Davis is to blame. He's not playing at that level. Russell Westbrook has to adjust a lot quicker if they want to get going in the second half of the season. And then also I would say Frank Vogel too. I, I do wonder – if there is some regrets not firing Frank Vogel and going after LeBron's guy Ty, Ty Lue in the offseason, I think that would have made a lot of sense from the Lakers' perspective to try to approach him away from the Clippers. But I think it's a lot of things, quite honestly. I think a lot is to blame. And honestly, this Lakers team is just very confusing. It doesn't really make a lot of sense on paper now. But, Evan, if the roster construction doesn't make sense and Russ isn't the right piece for it, why are we blaming Vogel? 
Yeah, that's a really valid point. I think tactically, the stuff that Vogel runs doesn't make a lot of sense to really maximize the guys on his roster. I think the ball should be more in the hands of LeBron instead of Westbrook. I know he already carries a high usage, but I think the ball should be even more in LeBron's hands, which makes Westbrook really an odd fit. He can't really play off the ball much at all throughout his career. Now he's kind of in that role now in Los Angeles. And I think at some point, Frank Vogel has to have a sit-down conversation with Anthony Davis and say, for the betterment of the team, I think you need to play center full-time. I know Anthony Davis has been against his whole career, but at some point to win a title, you have to do what's right for the team. And I think Frank Vogel has to have a sit-down conversation with Anthony Davis and be like, hey, sorry, not sorry. you got to play full-time five for us because that's what's going to, I think, work against teams like Golden State and Phoenix when it comes to playoff time. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to basketballnews.com's national NBA writer, Evan Sidery. Uh, my Bulls are back. They look incredible. Uh, at the beginning of the season, especially against some not great teams, a lot of people said this will kind of revert back to the mean, but they're still putting on a show and looking incredible. I'm fascinated by how they've been able to do it on defense. It's sort of that two-pronged approach of of Lonzo and 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 Caruso up front, just making things sticky and messy, making it tough for teams to set up the half court and allowing them to get some good fast break points. What else are you seeing from the Bulls that's sort of making what some people didn't think was a complete roster work? Yeah, I think it's um, definitely DeMar DeRozan. If you want to add on to Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, who were incredible signings by the Bulls this offseason, going out and getting Lonzo and Caruso for the defense definitely made a world of difference for the whole roster to buy in. Zach Levine's playing the best defense of his career now as well. But having another guy that can take the pressure off of Zach Levine offensively and DeMar DeRozan, one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA, he can get you a bucket wherever need be. He's a perfect second option with Zach Levine. And quite honestly, I think that this Bulls team is for real. I mean, I wrote about it in the offseason that this team, if all gels together, could be a top four, top five seed in the Eastern Conference. And they're right on track to do that this year. I think they're right behind teams like Miami when they're healthy, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I think they're in that comfortably in that number four spot right now. And come playoff time, if they continue to gel together, if they make a win now, move at the trade deadline for another piece, this Bulls team is really scary. And all these guys are not even in their primes yet, really. So, this is going to be a really good team for a really long time. And the NBA, quite honestly, is just better when the Chicago Bulls are good. There's a lot of mediocrity in the East this year. And everybody feels like they're really com- like compacted in between, like let's say, 7 and 12 in the standings right around there. How do those teams figure out going into the meat of the season at what point they need to either buy in or sell out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's coming up very soon if it hasn't already. I mean, Indiana is already the first team that started that fire sale, letting teams run the NBA know that they're open for business for all their main guys, Miles Turner, DeMont Sabonis, Karis LeVert. And I think around, I would say, next month, I mean, that's probably the latest I would do it in January is to let teams know if we're not going anywhere, that's when we need to make a huge decision for our roster and maybe solve some pieces for the betterment of the team because I think Indiana is a team that's come to the position where – they know their ceiling's not that great in the Eastern Conference. They have a lot of attractive pieces they can trade off of, get younger, maybe tank out the rest of the season, and then reload for a, a, a year or two down the road. I think it makes the most sense. And I think if you're a team that's on the bottom or in the middle right now, probably another couple of weeks you wait it out. But I think around 30 or 35 games is when you need to come to that realization. Awesome stuff, Evan. Thanks so much for the insight. Appreciate you, Evan. Appreciate it. Evan Sidery, you can follow him at eSidery on Twitter and follow his work at basketballnews.com. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Visit progressive.com. Coming up, quickies will cover an absurd entrance and 
some major issues with one Phoenix sports team. It's coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We'll keep you updated on uh, everything going on in the NBA tonight. That Steph game is not till well after we're off the air, or maybe starts right around when we're off the air. Either way. Um, starts at 10. I think it's 10, 10 o'clock Eastern. Eastern so, yeah, okay, we so an time. hour after we're done. Um, but, you know, there's a couple other games that are that are interesting right now. Bulls are trailing the Cavs by a little bit, of course. Always watching the Philadelphia 76ers. They're, uh, they're tied right now with Charlotte. And uh, early, early goings of the Heat and the Bucks, which is a great one tonight, too. We've also got the Rocklets and Brooklyn, amongst others, tonight. So we'll keep you updated on all the stuff in the NBA. But sometimes when there's other stuff to get to and not nearly enough time, we do it this way. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. That's right. Let's start with a topic that we haven't gotten into in a while. It's the NFL COVID uh, spike. And Fitz, you and I both said, and I I don't know how novel this was. I don't know if others were saying it as well, but we expected there to be more positive COVID cases this season than last because there is a sort of false sense of security because of the vaccine, but also because there was such a... um, sense of not knowing last year. And so there was such care taken and we anticipated that people would just get looser around restrictions. Um, We did not maybe anticipate people lying about their vaccine status or their vaccine cards, but there have been a lot of people testing positive. Thanks to the vaccine, most of them have not been severely affected, but it does require you to miss time. And when it comes to football, that's uh, important in ways that it is important maybe for other jobs where you're, you don't have a lot of symptoms and you can come right back. Um, what do you make of what we're seeing right now? Another big bunch, especially when we're looking ahead to the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's important. We had 11 new players on Monday that were uh, assigned to the COVID-19 list across the league. And then David Njoku today, uh, the tight end for the Browns, put on the list. And I just think player, fans need to remind themselves that right now uh, players are finding themselves on this list more and more, whether they're vaccinated or they're not vaccinated. It has a great impact on when they can get back in the game, as we all know from the Aaron Rodgers conversation and as we get down to the playoff matchups, like we were talking earlier about Super Bowls, one game separates the eight seed from, or I should say the 10 seed from the seven seed. So one game can make a huge difference. And everybody's going to start to get really, really puckered up when they realize that all of this could impact their favorite team, whether it's a quarterback or a star player that may or may not be available. So it's something to at least keep an eye on that it's it's only going to get worse right now at the end of the season going into the playoffs. And as fans, we're just going to have to accept certain players aren't going to be available. Well, and players are going to have to be a little bit more careful, especially the ones that are unvaccinated and are not behaving in a way that uh, prevents them from putting themselves in danger. All right, next story. Quickies. I just saw this, and the, the, the tee-up for it was perfect from somebody on Twitter that, you know, sports in Phoenix are going one of two ways, right? It's only extremes. Extremely good, which is clearly the Suns, or extremely this. And Katie Strang reporting, the Coyotes may be locked out of Gila River Arena by the city of Glendale for unpaid arena charges and delinquent tax bills. We have heard for years things swirling around this Coyotes team, leadership, management, etc. But the idea of, and I know... I know that in reality they don't show up to the game in pads and then just put their skates on inside, but I want that to be the scene. I want a whole two sets, two teams of NBA players in full pads, just ready to hit the ice, got to put the skates on inside, standing outside, and all the doors are locked. I mean, that is 
That's insane. And let's remember that right now they don't have a they don't have a deal with their arena after this year, and it's going to expire. So that's why there's been a bunch of relocation rumors about the card the Cardinals, the Coyotes, and whether or not they're going to head out of town. And that's a franchise that already moved once to get there. So mm-hmm. uh, the thought of relocation to try and save a franchise is what every fan base that's ever been relocated from is sitting there looking at it and saying, see, see, that's what you do once you start that revolving door. It's worst-case scenario for Arizona. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I get the feeling they'll figure it out before the deadline, uh, December 20th. They have a game three days after that. But it is... Uh, I don't know. I kind of want them to end up sir. showing up at like a local practice rink, and they're like, hey, yeah, guys, exactly. we just play here. Yeah, just throw some ice down at the local... Take over the local rink that's uh, been set up for Christmas skating. <laughs> just a new kind of winter classic. Uh, all right, next story. Quickies. Tiger Woods going to be back out on the golf course. And when we heard him speak the other day for the first time 10 months after his injury, I don't think any of us might have expected that he'd be back out there this soon. But he's going to play in the PNC Championship Tournament next week with his son, Charlie. So this used to be called uh, Father and Son or something tournament. They've they've changed the name. But it is um, obviously a good place. Father Son Challenge used to be the name. But now it's more inclusive of other kinds of family members. Um, Nellie Corda, for instance, is going to play with her father, um, currently number one player. Uh, and so allowing women to play is a very cool twist uh, and change that they made. And uh, Justin Thomas is going to play with his dad. Lee Trevino's uh, playing again. So obviously big, big names and Tiger Woods being in it, an even bigger name and kind of a nice way to get back to it. Right. Um, and he's allowed to use a golf cart, which is good. Uh, but it also is a little stunning to me that it felt like it almost came out of nowhere. It's like, all right, he's going to play. And it was, what was it, 10 months ago uh, that he was in the accident? So thinking that he's already gotten to the spot that he's capable of doing that, but also has been able to do that so quietly behind closed doors is really, Mm -hmm. I I thought that was alarming. We're going to have every set of eyeballs for any sports fan is going to be on this, trying to figure out what he looks like, how how his legs look, like, is there a limp? What's his, you know, what's his back look like? The number of different sort of things we'll be paying attention to here, I think it's stunning. It's going to bring a lot of attention to the tournament. Well, a couple things that the golf experts are telling us that are are really smart. The format of this is a great one for him to come back in because it's a two-round team scramble, so he only needs to play 36 holes and won't even need to play each of those holes in their entirety, right? So you take the best ball and you move your next shot from there. So if Charlie, who will be playing from forward tees, really crushes a drive, Tiger can go without a tee shot and just start from the middle of the fairway and... You know, last year, according to the to the NBC broadcast um, at last year's PNC, when when they played in that same tournament, they used Charlie's tee shot on on 15 or 16 holes, so almost half. So that really helps him not have to work quite as hard. Um, and then scoring being different, right? You won't actually see a score that looks the same as anything Tiger's put up previously, where he'll feel that desire and that pull to like try to prove something. It's a best ball scramble, and it's a different format, so he won't have to worry about people looking at that and judging him. Um, there's also a different rules. They could even make tea accommodations. The, the idea of him getting to use a cart is something specific. And then it's a really safe, comfortable place for him. It's a Ritz, right? It's a nice... Uh, intimate space. So it, it, I, I'm happy for him if he found a place where he can come back and feel comfortable. And like you said, all eyes will certainly be on it. Absolutely. Uh, next story. Quickies. Okay. So there's a couple stories about Lincoln Riley. Uh, one of them <laughs> is what I can only describe as the world's most awkward pep rally. 
It was not his actual presser. It was some sort of introduction that involved the marching band and cheerleaders. And somebody mashed it up to the Saturday Night Live, what up with that? And it fits way too perfectly. Like the number of people asking, is that real? Is parts of that real? Which part of that is real? Uh, is truly horrifying because that is how awkward and weird it was. Uh, just very, very strange. It, 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 rivaled in awkwardness the TCU coach arriving on the field in a helicopter to a weird smattering of the band playing in uh you know one tiny bit of the stadium field cheering him on um thoughts on either one of those I also you know somebody now really uh very angry at Lincoln Riley and wants to take away the segment of the highway uh in the panhandle named after him because they're mad I, I, look, the the highway renaming to me is a is a joke. Like it's just what they have better. Oh wait, somebody to do. wants to name it, not take it away. I oh, got that wrong. Name it. They want to name, name it in inches. his honor after he left. Okay, just yeah. the three inches. Mm. Yeah, just three inches of it. Uh, three inches of it. I it, would ask for a few more inches if anything was going to be named after me. I I also think that uh, you know <laughs> I'm I'm a little stunned. USC didn't have their you know what together for an announcement as huge as this because yeah. all eyes are going to be on Lincoln Riley and USC for so long from this. I, I To blow it that way made no sense. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Very strange. Uh, we want to ask you, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, what, within reason, would you request for your coaching announcement? Helicopter, marching band, cheerleaders, what would you ask for? Coming up one month ago in the NFL season, we'll get it talking about the hot seats next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. Yes, it's a big night in the NBA. We will get back to that, but we're going to get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And in order to do that, we all know all eyes are constantly on the NFL. There was a really cool article today. Cool if you're uh, like me and you're sitting around trying to figure out what's going to happen with the head coach of your favorite team out on ESPN.com. That was from Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano. So we figured, why not bring Graz in? So we're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline where Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, joins us. We're going to get some uh, overreaction reaction from you, but I, I want to start with the hot seat conversation that you and, and Jeremy had, you know, because it's such a difficult time to figure out for so many fan bases what's going on and where everything's going to go. So of all of the seats that may or may not be hot in the NFL, is there one that you think you feel the most confident is definitely a change is coming? Well, yeah, I mean, other than uh, the Raiders, it's already open, as you know, um, the Bears, I, I do think at this point, you know, you never say never, but I think it would be a, it would take something resembling a miracle for Matt Nagy to save his job at this point. But all indications are that that'll be uh, that they'll they'll be looking to make a change there. That, that's probably the number one that you hear the most. Um, yeah, as I said, Dan, I, I, I want to play some sound over. for you on that before we let you get into some other most likelies. Uh, I think this summed it all up. This is Jay Williams this morning on KJ and Max. I was reading some last night, kid. I want you to react to Matt Nagy's passing offense. Okay. An average of 173.8 yards per game. That's good for dead last in the NFL. By comparison, Sid Luckman from 1943 to 1947. <laughs> to be fair, he's in the Hall of Fame. Average 189.5 passing yards per game. So what you're telling me is Matt Nagy's passing offense is literally less efficient than the Bears' passing offense in the 1940s. Right. Yeah. So I think that so says it all. <laughs> pretty damning. I mean, look, it's four years. I mean, you know, 
you can't say they didn't give him a shot, right? I mean, he goes 12 and four out of the gate that great year with the, with the, you know, the defense was so great in 2018, but then eight and eight, eight and eight. And now he's four and eight with five to go. Yeah. It just, yeah, I, it just hasn't worked. I mean, it's, it's just, um, yeah, they're going to have to change. Yeah. Uh, any other coaches that you want to throw in the mix there? What do you mean for uh, possible openings? Yeah. 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 Look, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're watching Denver. If they were to miss the playoffs, I think that's a spot that could come open. Remember they hired George Payton as the GM last year. Um, you know, a lot of times a guy comes into that job new and wants to hire his own guy uh, for the head coach. So that, that could be one that, that comes open with Vic Fangio. Uh, we're watching, I mean, Minnesota, look, they just lost to the Lions. If that continues to go bad and they miss the playoffs, could they make a change with Mike Zimmer after eight years? Um, you know, that's a possibility. There's some chatter about Seattle. Although that's obviously a unique situation, right? I think Pete Carroll would have some say in um, – in the way his exit is ultimately handled there, uh, but with the potential, strong potential, I would say, for Russell Wilson to be on the move after this year, um, it's possible you could see changes there. So, yeah, top of my head, I don't know. Is there one I, uh, an obvious one I missed? I'm trying to think. No, but I mean, do you want to like clue me in on who's going to be the next Raiders coach? We got that intel yet, Dan? Like, you, you want to break, break do, it on the show? Let me know. I, I do not. I do <laughs> not. Uh, no, there. Were, I mean, there has been some chatter. You never. This happens all the time with this particular guy. Uh, but I mean, there is some some chatter. And I don't know if it's just dot connecting with Jim Harbaugh because you know he's been a guy that that franchise has looked at hiring before. Um, and didn't ultimately uh, he's had a ton of success at the NFL level. His, his record with the 49ers well beyond anything um, any of these other candidates would have. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's fun to speculate on that right now, but it does seem like there's a little bit of chatter about that. We'll see where it goes. No indication right now that Harbaugh wants to leave Michigan, but you know, uh, it's not unreasonable to think he would want to try the NFL again at some point. Yeah, a lot of people are saying, why would you leave now? You finally earned everybody's love back. That makes sense. But then at the same time, it's like you go out on top, everybody remembers the playoffs. Right, Maybe exactly. not all of something came between. Uh, Dan Graziano, our ESPN NFL insider, is with us here on Spain and Fitz. In addition to the hot seat talk, every week you do your overreaction piece where you ask whether the people's you know big takeaways from that weekend of the NFL are overreactions or not. There are a lot that I went back and found that obviously you have very much to be proud of. In week two, you called out the Raiders' potential collapse while others were uh, believing that they might be great this year. Uh, The Steelers' offensive issues were something you called out very early. In week five, you said the Jags would indeed win a game. That was really uh, some excellent foresight by you. A lot of people didn't think that would happen. Uh, You also said people were overreacting about the Chiefs and that they would be okay. So those were all good things. I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to ask which of these you most want to take back, okay? Week yeah, three. I, I didn't know there was going to be score Yeah, there's a quiz. And the, uh, yeah, overreaction column. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so week three, you said the Bills are the best in the AFC. That's not an overreaction. In week four, you said the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. Not an overreaction. Week seven, it is an overreaction that the Pats will make the playoffs. And week nine, it is an overreaction that the Pats will win the AFC East. Again, this is a conceit mm. that you drum up in order to create content. So I would never criticize Correct. any of the work. But out of those, is there one that you now look and yet, at and here say, we are. I was way off. Yeah, and yet I'm still doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, look, uh, the Patriots and Bills ones are kind of tied together, right? I mean, right. I entered the season thinking the Bills would be the best team in the AFC. They opened the season, not the first game, but they went on a run in September, October, and it looked like they would be. But as the season's gone on, 
I mean, I always say this when we do overreactions early in the year. It's more fun to do them in September because we don't have enough evidence yeah, for us for to sure. really know, right? So now we're in week 14. Yeah, it turns out that the Patriots are really good. And I don't know who saw that coming, including the Patriots, by the way. Uh, but, it, it, you know, look, the other night, the, the snow and the wind, Buffalo beat them on a neutral field or, or, or in, in regular neutral weather conditions. We, we'll never know. But the fact of the matter is the Patriots are the hottest team. They're, they have a formula that's likely to travel in January with their run game. I think at some point, at some point they're going to have a bad turnover game and, and they're going to lose it, right? It's been since week five that they've lost the turnover battle in any game. And that was against Houston. And that was a game that they actually won. But uh, it's only happened twice this year. They've been so good at forcing turnovers and not committing them. Uh, you wonder with a rookie quarterback at some point if there is a hiccup or two uh, coming. But right now, there's nobody in the AFC, at least, that looks any better. You don't put any stock in Kansas City at this point looking better than the Patriots? Kansas City is starting to look better than it did. But I, I don't know. Maybe we're just holding them to too high a standard. Because the offense and Patrick Mahomes still doesn't look right. I mean, they're still they're dropping passes that you you don't see those, you know that that those those shots down the field that you always saw with the Chiefs. Like I I just the, the defense is playing great and it's helping them win games right now while the offense works out its issues. But the offense is working out its issues and it still has some. And I think um, obviously you're not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes kind of snapping out of it one of these weeks and putting up one of those monster games. But right now, uh, yeah, I, I think the Patriots are playing better than the Chiefs. I mean, I'm just really grateful that you strolled into our show and we asked a very valid question and the very true and valid answer was both of the coaches of your teams are going to get fired. I mean, it's just uh, how about that? It's it, a coincidence. It's just, just absolute, uh, just serendipitous fits. Ah, well, he was. That's why. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, but there Somehow was a moment. Somehow the Raiders are going to have two coaches gone in one year. Dan, there was a moment. Let's not well, be. Let, let's not get it twisted. There was a moment where I was like, man, suddenly maybe they'll play so well that everything stays the same and it's going to be beautiful and mm. and I can watch play off. One winning season in sixteen years, Dan. One oh. winning season in sixteen uh, years. It's rough. What, is, what am I supposed to do with that? And then the uh, quarterback got hurt at the end of it, so you never really found out what they could be. It's it's rough, man. It's rough. But, too soon you know, to bring that up, Dan. It's still too soon. Some uh, point it'll pay off. Let's bring up the tuck rule next. Let's see if we could just send yeah. Oh yeah, perfect. To a uh, yeah, I'm taking the rest of the show out. off if the tuck rule comes up. Dan, as always, we appreciate your work, my friend. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. Probably winning season two. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Oh my God, that's thanks, Dan. That's some straight talk. Straight talk. Wireless. No contract. No compromise. All right. Coming up next. While I'm on a roll, get my butt kicked. Let's recap our picks and figure out where I stand <laughs> on the polar plunge challenge. Oh, Boy, are my no-no no. places going to be cold? soon that's next on spain and fitz you're listening to the spain and fitz podcast spain and fitz on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel 80 sarah spain jason fitz we're presented by progressive insurance don't forget to tune into the espn daily podcast gets you a deep dive into a single story from one of espn's hundreds of reporters presented by supercuts download subscribe and review espn daily available wherever you enjoy your podcasts as always, the Spain and Fitz podcast is out wherever you enjoy your podcast as well. And, uh, you know, it's a great chance to go back every once in a while and see how we're doing on our picks. If you're not familiar, we pick five games every week. Also, uh, in addition to that, we made some preseason picks. And with each of those has come a different bet. Now, the pick five portion of it 
it's pretty easy. The loser's going to have to write a parody song uh, for the winner. And that's that's pretty easy given the fact that we yeah, are... Extolling the virtues of the uh, opposing yes. host, yes. And given the fact that uh, I was never going to come with extolling the virtues as a sentence that I could actually complete. <laughs> but given the fact that you and I are both musically talented, that part is pretty easy. It's Not the preseason pick portion that's a little more difficult because we have a polar plunge on the line. So polar wow. plunge for polar picks. Polar plunge for is, our preseason <laughs> Mm -hmm. A polar plunge for our preseason pick portion. Yes, which is not going to be good for my, never mind, I won't use another word that starts with P. Uh, all right, so first and foremost, let's get you a recap of our picks and how they went down. Cardinals-Bears. The only way the Cardinals lose this is trap game plus extreme rust for Murray and Hopkins, and that is possible. There is a tiny bit of me that's a little concerned, but I'm still picking the Cardinals. Well, Their defense is going to be able to handle Tyler uh, Heineke. Uh, Heineke. I can't even say his last name. Heineke. Heineke. You know that. It, it, it's, I'm nervous. I just can't get the, the way they played Thursday out of my head. The Raiders are going to beat the Washington football team. If the Washington football team ends up beating the Raiders, I'll never pick the Raiders to win anything again. Ah! Wow, clip that off. Clip that off. I don't believe that, and now we have it on tape. Sorry about this. I know it's a bit silly. My next pick, <laughs> the Bucks over the Falcons. Let's go! I'm not sure Bama's going to be able to score on this defense at all, so I think Georgia wins the SEC championship and goes undefeated for the regular season. Jamison Williams behind the defense. He's got it. Touchdown, Alabama! Touchdown, Alabama! And Jamison then goes over towards the student section for Alabama them take their pictures. The Vikings are just a better team. I've got to go Minnesota on this one. Touchdown Detroit Lions! They did it! Oh, they're rushing the field! I'm going to go with another easy one. Rams over the Jags. Like, this is just... I'm sure you took this game, too. Well, I have some good news for me, because I took oh. the Rams over Dang. the Jags. I'm going to bet that there's a game you didn't take that I feel pretty confident in. The Chiefs are much better than the Broncos. Oh, no. I feel so bad for you. Oh, that was man. my other team. I don't think I'm finished torturing you yet. Son of a biscuit. <laughs> All right. Well, Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos, and I already said it, so there we go. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos. Colts over Texans. Okay, well, I already that, did all my five, so I did not pick that one. Yeah, so I got the chance to pick up two games on this week, I think, Ooh. if my math is like, like there's a Four little opportunity. to dig a hole. Everything has gone wrong. <laughs> well done, Stosh. Hmm. Well done. Stosh is undefeated on these things. Unlike yeah. me, you were four and one last week. I was three and two, so Ooh, I managed so to lose the hole yet deeper. another game. Dug the hole deeper, which brings me to, a, uh, you know, I, I hate to have to say it, but we might mm -hmm. as well give people the running tally on our Pick 5 Friday. I am currently leading 32-13 and 13 is my record. 25-19-1 is yours. So don't worry. I could just go over for a bunch of weeks and you would have a chance. Well, you're telling me there's a chance. I mean, that's the way it goes. And uh, by the way, somebody tweeted me last week after the Raiders lost, immediately after the Raiders lost, and reminded me, according to them, that I said on air that if the Raiders lost, I would never root for them again. So whoever that person was, because it's been a few days, I'd like to remind you of two things. I would never say that. I have a Raiders tattoo. I can't change the <laughs> fact that like my heart lives, eats, and breathes this team. But secondly, if you're going to tweet me and I told you so, maybe give me 24 hours after the game before you do it. Like, Don't Yowch. hit me when I'm down. Yowch. Good Lord. 
Well, speaking of hitting you while you're down, I did okay, just point cool. out your record uh, when it comes to the weekend picks. Why don't we go ahead and check in on our preseason picks? Uh, we had some back and forth on how we were going to score this, and our uh, fearless leader, Stash, just, just went ahead and, and picked, I think, a very smart way of doing it, which is basically if you pick the winner in a division, you get four points, second place correctly three, third place correctly two, one, uh, and then one point for fourth place. You get zero points for someone being in the wrong position. There are two ways to do this. If there are divisional ties, you both get points. And if there are just how the division's lined up, which assumes uh, is tiebreakers are put into place, then you would not get any points for a tie. I don't care either way, and I don't know if it would have an outcome on the final result. Uh, with ties, I am up 38-34 on you. And without ties, I am up 31-26. So right now, it, it's not that big of a difference. Uh, we could kind of keep an eye on that, or we can make a firm decision now so we don't debate it later. But uh, you are by no means out of this. There's a lot of movement that can still happen, especially in the interiors of these divisions. Uh, so, you know, the polar plunge is not uh, a guarantee for you, although it looks a little likely. Yeah, I, I'm feeling like I'm going to be... Uh, headed uh, to the beautiful oceans of Rhode Island uh, with a small crew of people <laughs> and a wetsuit. Also, side note, anyone know where I can get a wetsuit? I have yeah, no idea. I'm where sure. I, like, I'm sure am I allowed to wear a wetsuit for the Boulder Plunge? shops in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, Listen, I, uh, most people don't. That would be an incredibly candy-ass thing for you to do. Okay, but it would be, be completely fitting for how you handle your bets in the past. In okay. fact, I doubt you will even go somewhere near a large body of cold water and do this unless I fly my butt out there and literally push you in, which I am not above doing. In Look, the past, I have allowed you to shirk on your bets because most of the time it was just me being denied things I was owed. A charcuterie plate, steaks, wine, a fiddle-slash-violin accompaniment to my dinner, a delicious dessert, uh, other things that I have been owed and not received, and I have sort of shrugged it off. Well, that's just Fitz. He's a terrible person who doesn't live up to his bets, but I'm the one who's missing out. No, no, not in this case. In this case, I literally will fly to Connecticut. I will kidnap you from your house. I will throw you into a large body of water, and I will hold your head down in it until you are uh, not, you know, at any point unsafe, but sufficiently frozen. Look, a couple of things that are going to be important here to note. Number one, be careful what you wish for, Sarah, because, like, realistically, <laughs> uh, if I'm making the polar plunge, I'm going all in. Like, if we're going to make content, we're going to make content. Like, you thought the shorts I wore for Fourth of July were tiny? No! I mean, no like, like it's going to be cheek to water. I mean, we're just going to let, let the cheeks fly and see where things go from there, you know? So, might have to get a substantial amount of padding for the front, but I am going to, like, I'm just going to let it, you know, let, let the, the, the bare butt go out there as much as I can. Like, I'm going to look for tiny little spandex, and I'm going to let the world, I better start working out now. I better make sure that I do not, like, I can't have the holiday cookies because that's, that's going to be a <laughs> get lot. Get that of, body ready. Yeah, I, I'm not ready for it now, but I will be. I mean, I'm in pretty good I shape. I mean, I would prefer also if you, when you compose and sing a song to me extolling my virtues, you do it looking your best as well. Well, I mean, that that's that like you are not allowed to do them simultaneously. By the way, I watched a boy band Christmas the other day and like, you know, you can be in a boy band and be a little frumpy at this point. So like it's it's forgivable. It's allowable, apparently. So (laughs) Uh, Spain and Fitz, by the way, is brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear more driven. Maybe I'll see if Goodyear can make me like a, a special pair of like. Tiny I think spandex? you should make a call to some of your boy band friends, and when you're singing My Virtues, you might as well be doing it alongside, you know, Joey Fatone and Justin Timberlake. Why not? 
well, I mean, I'll, I'll see what I can right? do on that. Uh, I think that that I would. I think it's going to be a no from me, dog. When I call them and ask them, <laughs> "Hey, hey, man, thinking of doing a song, but if I tell them, hey, I'm going to do it in spandex, might be a yes. I don't know. What I do know is next up, we're going to be joined by one of the biggest stars in college basketball to talk about a great season up to come coming up and name image likeness. <laughs> Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Super excited for our next guest to join us. Been following her career for a long time. She was a voice of the future at our ESPNW Summit a couple years ago, and now she is the present one of the stars at UConn, AZ Fudd. AZ, thanks for the time. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Let's start with the most important. Give us the latest on that injury and how long you expect to be out. Um, I have a stress reaction in my foot, and I'm supposed to be out just a couple more weeks. So if all things go well, hopefully I'll be back soon. You're not the only star, obviously, for Connecticut. Dealing with an injury, Paige Becker's uh, also dealing with a foot injury. What have your conversations with her been like as you guys both try and go through these rehab processes? Um... I would say not just me, but our whole team as a whole has just really been trying to keep her positive um, since obviously like we're starting to get through the thick of the season and this is not a time that anyone wants to be out. So just keeping her positive, making sure she knows like she's fine, like she's going to get through this just a little bit, it's nothing she can't do. So just keeping her positive, keeping her involved and engaged with us really, but she's going to be fine. Easy Foot is with us here. I saw Kristen Williams said she made her chocolate chip cookies to help her feel better. Do you have a, a skill, a helpful skill that you can use to make her feel better like that? Um, no, I'm not a <laughs> cooker, but I kind of just know the whole like how sucky a knee injury is. So making yeah. sure that when I'm in there, like I'm I'm helping her, like she needs to ice, she needs to stay off her leg, but also just trying to keep her distracted so she's not constantly thinking about it. Now, one of the reasons, obviously, we have you on, I love talking about name, image, likeness for all athletes in college, and I think it's such a cool and uh, sort of revolutionary time uh, for athletes in college to be able to get paid and also come out and represent different brands. You've co- you've partnered with SC30, for anyone that doesn't know. That's Steph Curry's brand with the Golden State Warriors. That's sort of a wide-ranging partnership that helps you on and off the court. So give me a little bit of background for anyone that doesn't know what you're going to be doing with SC30. So with SE30, I will be doing a lot of stuff with Steph and his team, and I'm super excited because this deal really is like a full package. It includes everything. It'll give me opportunities to help grow my own brand. Um, It'll let me work with Steph and help uh, with his camps and his Eat, Learn, Play charity um, and being able to give back and um it's just it's a lot of different stuff and i'm really excited to get to learn from him and get to help build my brand build his brand and just get to experience a bunch with it and give back az fudd is with us here on spain and fit star at uconn but been a star for a long time and it, you know we talked about this at the espnw summit you were up there with foudy on stage with a bunch of other young impressive athletes and you know you you were named after jennifer az almost like your parents knew your mom was a a WNBA player and a college player. Your adopted father was a was a college player. Um, so you get the name of this basketball great. And you were one of the first girls to be at Steph's camp. So there's a relationship there with you and Steph Curry that goes beyond him just admiring your game from afar, right? Yes. 
Yes. No, I I admire him as much more than a basketball player as well, obviously a basketball player is amazing, but a person, he's such a family man, his giving back, his charity it really inspires me and I look up to that. You mentioned earlier that this is an opportunity to help not just grow their brand, but grow your brand. And I always think it's interesting with name image likeness, sort of what those conversations are like. So as you've been talking to not just SC30, but any company, how much have you had to sort of educate them on the power the brand can have as a woman playing basketball at college? Um, well, I think just seeing like how, how the times have changed and how NIL has passed. And I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that I'm getting these deals right now and so, so is everyone else, but just knowing that this is all possible, it's, it, I don't know. Like it kind of, it's inspiring just knowing that people are starting to pay attention to women's basketball more. They're watching more. And I, I felt like it was only a matter of time because women, women's basketball is so underrated and it's overlooked, but it, it's a great sport and so many people love it. But just showing that, seeing how many people are starting to pay attention. And I think NIL, for me at least, it shows like people are starting to care more. And that's what I love from it. You're so right, AZ, and there were so many people who disingenuously said that this would be bad for female athletes, and people in the know and people who care about women's sports have always said, absolutely not. There are certain sports where your peak earning power is actually in college because the professional leagues haven't been around long enough for the money to be there, boosters don't exist, et cetera. And so we've seen this burgeoning amount of opportunity for young female athletes as a result of NIL, which is so fantastic. And obviously being a part of the UConn program really helps with that. The the, the level of attention that that program has gotten for years has been well of, of uh, and above you know the majority of women's basketball programs, but that comes with a lot of attention too. And we talked for years about Gino Uriema's very specific style. We've talked to players who loved it and knew that they got better because of it. We've talked to players that weren't so sure. So I'll start by just asking: Has it been what you expected playing for Gino and at UConn? Um. I would say pretty much. I went in not expecting much except for that it would be hard. I would be challenged um, every day, day in, day out. And that's basically what it is. Um, I mean, he's hard on us, but it's just because he has high expectations and he knows what we're all capable of. So I wouldn't want it any other way. Does it feel like most of the players kind of get that? Because he's made a couple comments this year. Um, Early on, he he said it was the most stubborn group he's coached. He said, I've got guys that can barely play a lick, and they're stubborn as bleep. And then when people asked why Paige was in the game the other night when she got injured despite the the lead, uh, he said, I don't like my team without her out there. Those are very tough comments if you're – on the bench or if you're lower in the starting lineup, because it sounds like he doesn't have confidence. Do you ever worry that that's hard for you and other players to get confidence when he says stuff like that? Um, I guess a little, but not really. One, uh, one, some of the former players came back this past week and they talked to us and they kind of just reemphasized that coach is going to be hard on us. He's always going to have stuff to say, stuff he doesn't like, but we need to take his message. Like, Take the message, ignore the tone, ignore all the other stuff, but take the message and go with it. Just listen to that and don't don't internalize or personalize everything else he says too much. So I thought that was big for our team. Yeah, for sure. I saw that. That was um, Sue Bird and, and all sorts of other former players. Swin Cash. I know they can give you good advice on how to deal with Gino, right, Vince? Yeah. yeah, well, and I mean, you're, you're, the, the adjustment here is real, too. Like, you're adjusting to being in college. You're adjusting to playing for UConn. You're adjusting to name, image, likeness. Like, 
How hard has it been just in life figuring out how to manage your time in the environment that you're in and try to meet the standards that are expected at UConn? It really is. It's a lot. Um, But I have a really good marketing team. My parents are super helpful. Um, And so I have a great support system around me, my teammates, everyone that make going to practice, going to class, getting my work done, dealing with all the NIL stuff, all of that much easier. Well, you guys are a ton of fun to watch when you're all out there. So we're hoping for fast healing for all of you. I know another teammate went down today to injury. So uh, whatever's in the water there, let's mix it up. Let's get get done with this injury stuff. Um, I have big plans to come see you at the end of this month against DePaul. And I don't know how many of you are going to be playing. So uh, so let's let's get you healthy and get back out there. Good luck with the rest of the season. And thanks so much for giving us some time. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. Thanks, AZ. AZ Fudd of UConn with us there. Looking forward to seeing her back out there, Paige Beckers and everybody else. Don't forget, by the way, you can tune in to the That's What She Said podcast hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. We just talked about uh, their support of Paige Beckers, the first college athlete signed by Gatorade. Those name, image, and likeness rules paying off. Also, my guest this week is former ESPNer Ivan Maisel, who has written a new book about the death by apparent suicide of his son, Max. And I found it incredibly interesting to talk to him and to learn more about what he learned about grieving people and how to deal with uh, people who grieve differently within your family and all of that. Uh, It's pretty powerful. So go check out That's What She Said. Uh, That's this week's guest. Coming up, we've got a country star and we'll answer your burning desires when it comes to a Super Bowl matchup. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You guys all wanted to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. You hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with your ideal Super Bowl matchups after we told you the highest probability right now is Bucks, Pats, Bill versus Belichick. Gosh. At Paradox underscore sports said, Bucks and Pats would be the best matchup from a juicy story standpoint and a real possibility, but I'd like to see Bills, Cardinals, someone would win their first Lombardi. That's something you talked about wanting to see, Fitz. Angry Bears fan Dadman said, things I would rather watch over a Pats-Bucks Super Bowl. Number one, Oprah Winfrey. Number two, uh, Oprah Winfrey show tapings. A very different. Number two, a royal wedding. Number three, Joel Osteen. And number four, Tiger King. So I guess uh, he is not down for that. Untouchable Cavs won. Titans, Rams. Will Derrick Henry come back from injury to rewrite history and give Tennessee the yard the Rams snatched from them in Super Bowl 34? That's a pretty good one. Uh... And also, by the way, not a completely – I mean, some reports have had Derrick Henry out for the year. Yeah. But the people around the team have not. So yes. there is a chance that Derrick Henry could kind of find his way back in the playoffs. And then, bam, you end up with Henry against the Rams and the Seahawks. Like that, that – or the, in the, against the Rams in the Super Bowl. That would be yeah. amazing. it would be pretty interesting. Uh, Dan Shaltil said, I want to see the State Farm Bowl. Two best squats. Packers, Chiefs, Mahomes, Rogers. Jake from State Farm can flip the coin. I like that one. Oh, a lot of people have said uh, either, you know, a, a rematch of the Bucks and, and Chiefs and see if Mahomes and the Chiefs can do it this time. A lot of people have said Packers, Chiefs for sure. Uh, band Jock. Uh, is that you, Fitz? Band Jock? Hmm, yes. No. <laughs> uh, sports sports team. Band Talk Jock. Band, okay. Band uh, talk? Green Bay versus the Steelers. The Steelers win. Big Ben rides off into the sunset and the Steelers acquire Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Uh, similar to Angry Bears fan dad man, Green Bay versus Denver have Aaron Rodgers last year with Green Bay before he goes to Denver and make it juicier by having Denver win and then taking Aaron Rodgers. No. A lot of people interested. Not no. into that one. No. 
No, Denver is not welcome to have Aaron Rodgers. Thank you. I can only handle losing <laughs> to Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I don't need to add more. Oh, man. Um, all right. We also asked you, and you guys hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, with news from Spain and Spitz Nation on our um, – we were talking about the TCU coach arriving via helicopter, Lincoln Riley's introduction with the very awkward cheerleaders and band, and we asked you, within reason and budget, which none of you listen to, what would you want for your introduction as a big-time college football coach? Uh, at JPG, not the image, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, said, you know that scene from Aladdin where he comes riding in on an elephant? That's my intro. Uh, at the Ken Childs. Absolutely would go full Ultimate Warrior, just a full sprint with some solid 80s rock music. Uh, at Keenan 14, lights out, fire up, cult of personality, pyrotechnics, and walk to the mic a la CM Punk. A lot of people thinking uh, uh, WWE. At the Ohio Lane, have the group tag team sing and point at the stage, whoop, there he is. Very loudly, lots of laser lights. Uh, at Trash Takes, said all the fireworks. And at Razor 607, Daddy Yankee playing Gasolina, and I get to flip some ish. A lot of people, I think, really picturing a WWE-style setup here. I always It makes me think of Lindsay Lloyd, who's one of the awesome people behind the scenes that works around college football, and uh, she works on college game day. Uh, I asked her a couple of years ago at game day what the weirdest thing she had to make happen in a matter of days, because you don't know where you're going on game day until usually Sunday night, and then all of a sudden, about Tuesday, you start just hitting her with every request of we need this and that and the other thing for the show. And she said there was one show where Lee Corso was like, I need to come in on a tank. And so they had to figure <laughs> out how to get a tank in like a day's notice. But now I'm thinking a tank is a really good idea. As long as you set up confetti machines like every so often so that as the tank is coming through, confetti is popping in the air everywhere, exploding confetti, drunk, mm. just falling down on me as I stand upon a tank coming Ooh. in to the okay, press that's conference. Like, with. That's tank, the way to come in. Tank and confetti. So it's like a... It's like a, instead of going to war, you're going to a, a gay pride parade? No, it's it, the confetti is showing the celebration, and the tank is showing the work and the physicality the we're okay. going to bring to get the confetti to rain down on us. I was okay, born to be so a coach. So I just figured out. I love that. I think a confetti tank is a solid... Um, and it and you know the tank definitely gives the kind of vibe that people are going to expect from a college coach. I I I'm going a little different. I did also at one point think all the fireworks. I love mm. fireworks. Mm -hmm. I was ready for that. But then the fireworks would conflict with the most important part of my introductory display, which is all the dogs. Uh, oh. Dogs don't like fireworks. I plan on arriving at the stadium of my of my employment surrounded by dogs, um, dogs of all kinds. All of them would be rescued, and I would require an equal amount of money to my salary to be donated to area rescue groups upon my arrival. Okay. I love that so much. I'm going to take it up a notch for you. I Ooh, think that okay. whatever team hires you in this scenario, doesn't matter what the team is. They've now changed their name and logo to the dogs, D-A-W-G-S, okay. and yeah. like mm -hmm. the fans don't know it. So you're coming out and you're like, by the way, we are now the Northwestern Dogs. Wow. I yeah. like that. I like that. Do you think that there's any chance that the team and the fans and the other people associated with college football, which has a bit of a thing about nostalgia, would care that I change the name?
Yes, greatly. But boy, would you be a talking point. I mean, to be the first coach that came in and not only got paid and then donated a bunch of your salary right out of the gate, but also changed the name of the team. Like now, all of a sudden, Saban's sitting there saying, you know what? Forget the money. I want to be known as the Alabama Sabans. And uh, the, 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 the state would let that happen. You know what I'm worried about, though? I'm worried about the cleanup on the field of all the dogs. Should I have it covered in some sort of tarp with my – well, I don't want my face on it because then they'd be pooping on my face, but some sort of tarp field situation because I did just see that a security dog took a dump right in the middle of the – I believe it was the Rangers ice. Um, I think it after was the Flyers ice right after the they fired their coach. Yes, it was the Flyers. Thank you. I was going to yeah. say, after a particularly rough outing uh, where their coach was fired, a dog took a dump on the ice. So that's the only concern is I don't know that I want my introductory triumphant speech to be accompanied by pooping. Well, I mean, that's what grad assistants are for. You just you're out of the gate. You're like, hey, you know what? We're This, this staff is not going to be afraid to get knee deep in you know what. And we're going to clean this thing up from the ground up. Look at this. I was born to write speeches for you coaches. Were. You were born to write crappy messaging. Oh, my God. Like, I'm going to give you every, you know, we're going to battle. And we're going we're gonna to make sure that we bring our best. It's going to be the effort that we've come to expect from every student here. Because every student athlete is going to bring that same focus and energy. Oh, man, I've got all this down. We're going to walk these other teams. We're going to have them on a leash. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yes, Lincoln yeah. Riley, call me. I'm going to write your speeches from now on, and I'll do it for a cool million a year. Can you also get the band a little more in sync when the introduction starts? That seems I'll like something you you're actually well-suited to do. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.